Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, everyone. In today's episode, we unpack Lauren's two births. Lauren's acceptance into the local MGP program ensured she received continuity of care throughout her pregnancy. Pairing this with a hypnobirthing course, Lauren armed herself with knowledge to strive for a physiological intervention-free water birth. As labor started, Lauren was faced with persistent vomiting and upon reaching the hospital and hitting transition, she grappled with a crisis of confidence. As it turned out, her baby girl was on call, still within her sack, and although it was an empowering water birth with zero interventions, Lauren sustained a third-degree tear that required 27 stitches. When the time came to welcome another child into her family, Lauren had relocated and was without the MGP care model. Leaning into her hypnobirthing training, she advocated for another intervention-free physiological birth in her local hospital. As labor started, the familiar sensations of vomiting returned. Yet, as we know, every birth writes its own script. With her labor progressing faster than anticipated, another tumultuous transition unfolded. However, the natural release of her waters turned the tides. It gave her a brief moment of pause, allowing her to harness her inner strength, slow down and intuitively guide her body to birth her baby, preventing any tears. Today, as Lauren details her births, she shares the powerful moment when nurses struggled for hours to regulate her daughter's breathing, but once wrapped in the comfort and warmth of her mother's embrace, she effortlessly found her breath's rhythm. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, Lauren. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Sky. Could you just start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, yep. So um, my name's Lauren. I'm 26 years old. I have two little girls, uh, Oakley, who is two and a half, and Darby, who is five weeks old. I live in Mudgee in regional New South Wales. So I moved here about 18 months ago or a bit over a year ago um, to work a, a job in the mines out here. So 
I was originally from Newcastle. That's where I was born and grew up and spent my whole life right up until I moved out here um, in July last year for work. So, yeah, that's um, I'm out here with my partner Dylan. He's from here, but we did meet in Newcastle. So we both actually moved back to his hometown. Beautiful. Uh, Nice for a bit of family support out here. So that's yeah. great. And were your girls planned conceptions? Um, Oakley was not. Um, okay. She was not a planned <laughs> conception. And Darby, look, we were always going to have another one, but probably six months earlier than we would have liked. Um, but I do have a, a history of um, I did have an ectopic pregnancy where I did have a tube removed. So we weren't on the, you know, we weren't not trying, but, you know, not trying. <laughs> um, I didn't think it would be that easy to to fall pregnant with, with Darby. So, yeah, that was another surprise, but always intended just slightly earlier than planned. Yeah. So let's start with Oakley's pregnancy. You said that she was a surprise. So take us to that moment where you realised you were pregnant. Yeah, so she was a very big surprise. Um, her dad and I, Dylan, had been seeing each other only for a few months so uh, that was a major surprise we both had a little bit of a spin out um, and we did actually distance ourselves during the pregnancy um, I think mainly for both of our mental health and just to sort of get our heads around what was happening and what we're going to do from there so there was a a bit of distance created in that relationship um, right up until after she was she was born which you know it did do both of us a bit of good um, having that space. Mm. He wasn't able to support me, um, you know, emotionally because he was not feeling very confident in, you know, that decision that we'd made himself. So, yeah, I, I mainly had my family there as my support network um, and then we sort of reconnected after that Oakley was born. Yeah, okay. And so was the plan to have him at the birth or? No, so no. Dylan wasn't at the birth. Um, okay. That was something because she was born during COVID and there was only one support person allowed where I did birth. I did choose my mum and that yeah. was, he was okay with that. It was a big decision, but at the end of the day, I was more comfortable having my mum there who had sort of been there through the entire pregnancy mm. and it was something that I didn't want to put that pressure on Dylan because I still was unsure if he'd got his head around what was happening. Um, Yeah, I I just didn't want to put any pressure on him, I don't think. So I sort of made that decision to have mum there and he was there the next day. So that was was nice. Yeah, perfect. And, I mean, it's your birth space. The last thing you need is, you know, weirdness or awkwardness while you're laboring. In my most vulnerable state. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So – Let's go through that pregnancy then. You obviously, you know, other than dealing with this surprise pregnancy, dealing with um, like navigating it on your own. Mm. So take us through that whole experience. So, yeah, the first uh, probably 12 weeks I didn't get out of bed. I actually um, moved into mum's house for a bit of support. I was very sick, um, very, very sick. So the thought of birth hadn't even crossed my mind. I was still just trying to get my head around oh, my God, I'm having a baby. Yeah. Um, so the first sort of 12 to 14 weeks, did not even think about it. And then once I started to come good, I actually enrolled in hypnobirthing, which was just the best thing I ever did. I just felt so um, ready and empowered and, you know, excited for the birth journey. Yeah, um, yeah so I always 
wanted a water birth, an unmedicated water birth, minimal interruption. Um, and I was lucky enough to have a midwifery group practice in my local area that I was actually in the zone for. Uh, so I did put my name down straight away for the midwifery group practice and I was accepted, which was just incredible. There are very limited spaces. So to find out I was accepted was just like the best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I enrolled in hypnobirthing because it really aligned with, you know, how I wanted a physiological birth. Um, yeah, and I did that with In Birth and Beyond and it was just, it was fantastic. I couldn't recommend it more to anybody. Yeah. So that was great. Yeah, okay. And all right, let's jump to the end of your pregnancy. How were you feeling in those last few weeks? Yeah, so towards the end of the pregnancy, um, I was I was ready. I was tired. I was ready. I had a few false starts. Um, that was exhausting. I think it was the, you know, the false, oh, my God, it's happening today. It's This is it. This is today. Um, but yeah, towards the end I was, you know, it was the middle of summer. She was born in the second week of January. So I was, I was just a bit over it, but yeah, she was born at 39 and one. Um, so I did get the luxury of going a little bit early. So the 11th of January, I had my first contraction at about 2.30 in the morning and I just sort of tried to go back to sleep. I thought, no, it's another false start. Um, I'm not going to get my hopes up and I tried to go back to sleep. And then at that point, I I think I was about four or five contractions in and I thought, no, this is actually progressing here. These are getting a little bit more intense. Anyway, I rang my mum because she actually, because I'd moved back home to Newcastle and I rang my mum who was in Southwest Rocks. So that was about three and a half hours away. And I rang her and I said, are you packed? Do you have a bag packed? And she said, what for? (laughs) So I I said, you know, I I think it's happening today. I waited you know, till 5.30 to call her. I didn't want to wake her up too early, but I said, no, I think, I think the baby's on its way. Anyway, she's packed a bag and rushed on down. And I think she got here at 10 or 11 o'clock. And then I was on the lounge. I had my TENS machine on and I did start to vomit quite severely. Um, It's like my body was cleaning itself out. So I rang my midwife. I didn't also want to ring her too early, but I rang her just to let her know you know, I think I'm in labor. Um, I am vomiting quite badly. Um, Is there a way, because they did do home visits. So is there a way that you could come and, you know, come out to the house and just make sure everything's okay? So she did come out to the house about an hour later and they gave me a needle to stop me from vomiting. And they did um, just just an overall check. I didn't really want to have a dilation check or anything like that. Um, And just did an overall check and said, you know, you are quite early stages um this should stop you from vomiting try and stay hydrated etc um and then she went on her way and sort of said you know give me a call when you do start to progress and you feel like you can't talk through your contractions anymore um so yeah she she went on her way there and I kept on laboring so mum was out the back mowing the lawn for me and the domestic duties and I was just inside with my TENS machine on and just trying to to labour on in the dark just on my own without any outside interruptions so it was about um, I think about five thirty six 6 p.m it started to get quite 
Like I couldn't talk through them anymore. I was uncomfortable every position I was in. Um, And I said to mum, I think it's time that we go to hospital because it was about a 15 to 20 minute drive, depending on the time of day. Um, And then we packed up the car and she drove out or she turned the car on and realised I had no fuel, none. Oh, no. (laughs) Like I didn't know that this day was coming. No fuel in the car. Love that. So I had the bucket on my lap because I'd started to vomit again um, in the passenger seat. Mum's had to drive through the 7-Eleven and fill up the car because <laughs> we wouldn't have made it to the hospital. So we did that. That was just the worst drive of my entire life, um, just throwing up with the bucket on my lap. It was just horrendous. Wow. So when you say that it was um, like horrendous vomiting, was it just consistently happening? Yes, really? it was. Like every time I would have a contraction, I would I would spew and I was trying to stay hydrated so I'd have a little tiny sip of water, another contraction, it would come straight back up. Wow. Yeah. So, and I was, it felt like I almost had a migraine as well. I was super sensitive to the light. Like I remember having a t-shirt over my head and um, just this bucket in my lap and hunched over on the passenger seat. It was just awful. But yeah, so she got me to the hospital and um, we went on in and met my midwife Annette there, which, um, and we went straight up to the birthing suite. Um, I think she, she filled up the bath straight away. Um, and at that point I would have been pretty far in. Uh, I started to, I feel like I was hitting transition at that point. She did start to fill up the bath and I was asking cause I, I always intended and Annette knew that I always wanted unmedicated, less like just leave me to it very primal like I just want to hide in the dark and just be left to it Mm. um and I started saying I can't do it like I I can't do it I need you to transfer me out to to another (laughs) hospital where I can get an epidural because the hospital I went to they didn't have anaesthetist or a doctor there it was a short transfer to the hospital about five or ten minutes away to the John Hunter being the main hospital um so yeah I I started really doubting myself um yeah very very didn't want to do it I wanted to pack up and go home today's not the day put it back in like I just don't want to do it anyway I said she said you know I said I I want I don't want to do it anymore can you please I want the epidural I want an epidural I don't want to be here and she said why don't we just have a baby <laughs> at that point? I, I believe I clenched my fist. I was just thinking, oh, my God, no one's listening to me. Like, why is no one listening to me? And she said, why don't we check how far you are? So I agreed to have a dilation check, which I, I never wanted. But at that point in transition, I needed to know that I was close, mm. I think. I just needed to know we were progressing because I still felt like at that point, she would check me and I'd and say, you know, you're not far enough. Why don't you go home? I was scared to know because I'd never done it before. I didn't know how intense these pains got. Yeah. Um. So she did check me and said, you're about eight, eight to nine centimetres. So by the time I stood up and walked over to the bath and got, got into the bath, I could feel that expulsive reflect. Like I was, the groans got louder, like I was pushing, but I wasn't pushing. And I could feel her coming down and I got into the bath and I I just, I was hysterical. I'm like, no, I'm not ready. I can't do this. Anyway, so Annette offered me a little bit of gas, um, which 
I feel like it calmed me down more than anything. It didn't take any of the pain away, but it sort of calmed me down. And then that actually started to make me sick as well. So I had to give that up. Um, anyway, I snapped back into it. It's I don't know what came over me, but I just thought, game on, like I've got to do this. I, I'm not going home. This has to happen. It's the only way she's going to come out is if I birth this baby. Mm. Um, so I flipped over onto all fours. It's like the only position that I did feel comfortable in. And I remember looking up at my mum. She was holding my little cup with a straw and giving me drinks of water and she, they were just saying, you know, you can do this, you can do this. And I started to really feel the pressure, like really, really feel the pressure. And I started to sort of grunt and groan. And the, I, I, she said, oh, try and touch. Like tr- her head's coming out. Why don't you touch? And I thought, oh, that's a, oh, that's a really weird feeling. It almost felt like a blown up balloon. Um, I said, that's weird. They're like that's not her head. Can you put the mirror there? And my midwife said she's still in the bag. So she was oh, on call. Wow. Yeah. So my waters never broke. Um, and I was like, oh, God, it's, it feels so weird. But the pressure, I feel like the pressure because my waters never broke. Mm. It was it was very – I didn't realise how unusual it was until my second birth. But mm. she she came out and as she, as she sort of came out, because I, I think it was three really big pushes, I could feel the ring of fire – because my waters hadn't broken, it was like a big bulge. The oh, the pain as I was just trying to get her head out. It was just I will never forget. But I eventually I sort of just tried to go really, really slow, breathe through it. Sort of, I just wanted to have it have it really slow. I knew I was going to tear. I could feel it. Yeah. But I eventually pushed her out. So the. Um, the bag sort of came away as she came out um, and they Annette put her on to me. Um, at, yeah, and it's like a little eggshell when you boil an egg and you peel away the skin. Yeah, right. So, yeah, it was really rare but very, very special. I just, mm. oh, it was so special. Um, and, yeah, Annette put her on to me and I just kept saying, oh, my God. Like I think I, I looked at the video and I said, oh, my God probably about 10 times and I had this look of shock on my face it's like I labored for you know 20 hours because she was born at um 10 30 at night 20 hours but never thought a baby was coming out of it like it was just <laughs> absolute shock. like what is this what is this thing that you just put on me absolute shock and I look at the video and I'm just I look back and think what was I thinking was gonna happen mm. like I I was I so surprised but I um yeah, I had her, they put her on me and then I birthed the placenta naturally, um, quite easily, very easily. Uh, yeah, I went and sat on the toilet and that came out and then I went and had a check done and I did have quite a severe tear. Okay. It was a, a third degree tear. Um, and unfortunately, at the hospital I went to, so Belmont Hospital, they don't have the people that need to... Yeah, they don't have the doctor there that could have stitched me up. Essentially, I would have to be transferred. So instead of being able to go home basically two hours after Oakley was born, I did have to go to the John Hunter Hospital to have my stitching done. Okay. So mum and I traipsed over to the John Hunter Hospital at, you know, midnight and they did my stitching. It was a pretty good experience for, you know, for what it was, but they 
did offer me the, um, I think a spinal block or an epidural for the stitching um, or also to go under anaesthetic. And I just said, no, it's fine. Um, I just want to have the stitches and go home. I, d- I just didn't want to be there. I just wanted to go home. Yeah. Um, so I had the, the gas for the stitches. Worst decision I've ever made. I should have just had, um, you know, taken one of the other options like the spinal block or the epidural because it was, it was very painful. I think there was 27 stitches or something like that all up. Wow. Um, and every time she'd put a stitch in, I'd, you know, I'd have my legs in the stirrups and I would shoot up the bed. It was just so uncomfortable. But as soon as they got that done and I had to do, I just had to wait around, do the first wee, and then I could go home. So I did get to go home about 5.30 in the morning, which still was okay. But um yeah, we were all very tired at that point after being awake for, you know, 28 hours or so. But, yeah, so that that was Oakley's birth and she was a, she was a pretty good baby. She great feeder. Um, breastfeeding was just came so easily to us. I was very, very blessed uh, for our breastfeeding journey. It was, yeah, it was quite easy for someone that had never done it before. Um, but, yeah, she's grown up now and she's a two and a half going on 14 (laughs) love that age yeah Yeah, it's beautiful um and did she get to stay with you the entire time during that hospital transfer yeah yep so she was with me when I was transferred we opted to take our car rather than going in an ambulance um so we were sort of in the back seat together and then I held her right up until they put the first stitch in (laughs) and I was shooting up the bed. So I said, mum, you're going to have to, you're going to have to take her. So mum had some skin to skin with her, which was really special. Um, But yeah, I I decided to pass her over when I was having that stitching done. It was quite uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, of course. It's good that she got to stay with you though. And how did you feel after this birth? Oh, so empowered. Everyone would ask me, how was the birth? And I just said, I could not fault it. It was just Mm. beautiful. It was like everything I imagined watching all of the birth vlogs I did prior to, to having her and listening all to all of the positive birth podcasts and things like that. It was everything I could have imagined. Um, I was just so grateful that I had no complications. I was low risk um, and everything just panned out exactly how I wanted it to, which they say you don't have a birth plan, just have preferences. But I was a cesarean wasn't an option for me I just that was how I was going to birth there was just no other option for me so for to have it pan out exactly how I wanted was just incredible I couldn't and and my midwife just incredible couldn't recommend the whole experience more yeah yeah and at what point did you then reconnect with your partner yeah so when um Oakley was born and we sort of started to reconnect and watching him, he did become a very, like he picked up fatherhood straight away. I had never seen anything like it. It's like the whole, when I was pregnant, the whole idea was just an imagination to him. There was no sort of physical connection or, you know, he was in an immature place in his life. Uh, As soon as she was born, as soon as he held her, I just have never seen a transformation like it. It was beautiful to watch. Yeah, and I feel like it may not have happened how it would if I tried to force it or put too much pressure. I feel like it would have just pushed, you know, too much pressure situation. But, yeah, so we sort of reconnected and then um, his job brought him out to Mudgee and we tried to do the live separately and um, 
you know, go back and forth between Newcastle and Mudgee to visit, but it didn't work. So I, yeah, I got a job out here and moved out here and yeah, happily ever after. That's beautiful. (laughs) And at what point did you guys decide that you were ready for baby number two? So I started my job in the mines and I did have a 12 month traineeship that I needed to, that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to finish my traineeship before we had another baby. Uh, unfortunately, um, Darby did, she was conceived a little bit too early, um, but we always knew we were going to have another one. Mm-hmm. I think we just loved having one. The dynamic was just so, it was a really nice dynamic, just both of us working really big hours. Um, Oakley was happy to be with Dylan um, when I was at work because it was shift work. It was really long hours. So we were sort of juggling both of us doing shift work and we were like ships in the night. <laughs> we never really saw it, but um, one was was Oakley was easy essentially. But we thought, oh, when she's a little bit bigger and I finish my traineeship, we'll we'll have another one. <laughs> but yeah, unfortunately, she was about six months too early. Um, but that was okay. We were all fine this time. <laughs> we're all. But yeah, I I didn't find out this time what we were going to have because I've always wanted to have three kids so I knew this wouldn't be our last baby um so I thought it doesn't matter what she is so I didn't find out this time but the whole pregnancy Dylan was like you need to find out you need to find out I need to know um so yeah she I didn't find out um and all was low risk again same as with Oakley um everything came back very low risk um the only challenge I did have was now living in Mudgee, being regional New South Wales, they didn't have midwifery group practice out here. It's not a service that they have. So there's no sort of continuity of care um, in that space. So that was I knew that was going to be a bit of a challenge for me because they may not have aligned as well with how I wanted my physiological birth to sort of be as opposed to the midwifery group practice the first time around um so yeah I had my first appointment out here with the midwives and they were all really really lovely so I didn't sort of have any hurdles until they I did have a visit with the doctor I think that was at um 12 weeks they you do a routine visit with the doctor at the hospital um and then it was all very very set out like this week you need to do this test or these are the tests you need to have this week and it was all very um yeah very structured yeah Yeah. so with my first it was very I knew what tests I wanted to have done and you know I did a lot of my own research and was guided by my midwife and this time around I was I felt like I wasn't given the choice. It was more, this is what you need to do at this time. So there was a lot of advocating for myself this time around, as I knew there would be. Um, There is, and I I did sort of, I worried myself. Um, I followed the midwifery page for the hospital that I birthed at, the private hospital, and they do stats for the births um, that they do have each month. And I was looking at, you know, the cesarean rates were quite high and uh, induction rates were also quite 
high. Yeah. yeah, so water births, there was only averaging sort of one a month, if any. Mm-hmm. So that sort of worried me. Um, but anyway, I, I did enough research to sort of advocate for myself and how to politely decline a lot of the things that I was being offered that weren't in, yeah, in my favour. So um, aside from that, the midwives were fantastic. I did end up, after I had my 20-week morphology scan and everything came back low risk, I started declining um, the visits with the doctors, mainly for sort of my own mental health. Just I didn't want to feel pressured. I didn't want to have to politely decline a lot of the things that I was being offered. I would rather just avoid a situation altogether. So I did sort of have my mid midwife appointments every, I think they were every six weeks um, until I was at that 38-week mark. So they were fantastic. The midwives that I had were very understanding of um, how I wanted to, to birth this time around. It sort of explained to them I wanted hands-off, no intervention, as long as everything's low risk, um, yeah, as minimal intervention as possible. So they were really happy with that. They said, you know, we'll rinse and repeat the last birth um, and try and mirror how you did that last time. Um, obviously, you're very capable. So that was good. We're all on the same page. Um, and then at the, yeah, so Darby was born at 39 weeks and two days. So one, I was one day pregnant, more pregnant than I was with Oakley, oh, which was, wow. which, but yeah, I woke up on the morning and. I thought, oh, God, today's the most pregnant I've ever been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think I woke up at six because, you know, at the end of my pregnancy, I was getting no sleep. Um, Oakley was actually quite sick at the time as well. So we'd had a very, very sleepless night the, the night prior. She Honestly, Darby couldn't have been born on a worse day. Like Dylan had no sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd had no sleep. Six o'clock in the morning rolled around and I went into Dylan. And I said, oh, today's the most pregnant I've ever been. <laughs> And an hour later, an hour later, I got a pain. Like I I did have very severe Braxton Hicks towards the end of the pregnancy um, and really bad lightning crutch, I think it's called. And I had all the pains um, and I did, I lost my show, I think four days prior. So I knew I was close and I could feel the pressure. Um, Yeah, I knew I wasn't far off, but I did have a, a, pretty hard contraction at about seven o'clock and I said to Dylan oh I think maybe we could be having a baby today and he said oh you said that (laughs) you said that the last three days Lauren like just calm down yeah and then I think it like every six or so minutes after that I was having a contraction and I said to Dylan I started making noises like oh this is I'm in pain here like this is this is real this is happening and Oakley was in my bed because she was, you know, she was quite sick and she started to freak out because I was, I was moaning, like I was groaning, I was in a lot of pain and she started to cry and get really upset. And I said to Dylan, can you ring your mum and and take Oakley over there? Don't tell her that, you know, today's the day because it's probably not uh, whatever I'm, whatever pains I'm having, it's obviously a little bit overwhelming for her. So just take it to your mum's and she can look after her while I go through whatever I'm going through, not thinking I was actually like (laughs) having severe contractions. Anyway, so Dylan took Oakley over to my mother-in-law's place and I I said to him like, oh, can you get me something to eat? I'm pretty hungry. Anyway, he's gone and got me something to eat and brought me back some food and by the time he came back, I had my TENS machine on, I was propped up in bed, I was in 
all the pain, like, oh, God, I was in pain. <laughs> and he, I quickly scoffed down my food. I ripped the TENS machine off and I said, I need to get in the shower. Like, my back is really, really sore. I need to get in the shower. So I turned the shower on and, you know, by I think it was like 8.30 now, um, I was in the shower and I at that point I was thinking I'm in labour. Like this is it. This is coming really hard, really fast. And I sung out to Dylan. I said, Dylan, I need you to hang the, the washing out. I need you to hang the clothes out on the line. Anyway, I got out of the shower. Lucky I had a bag packed. I got out of the shower and I started to vomit again like deja vu Mm. so Dylan's out hanging the clothes out I'm in the bathroom sink heaving absolutely just it was flying out of me and I said to Dylan we need to go like we we need we've got to go we've got to go right now and then he went to walk inside and I and I was like no no you've got to finish hanging the washing out and then we've got to go (laughs) then we've got to go anyway I got dressed and I, I put the tens machine back on and I think by it would have been about yeah nine thirty. I said, "Come on, we let's get in the car. We've grabbed the bag. We, we've got to go right now. Like, do, let's go." Anyway, I'm only about five hundred meters away from the hospital, so it was a really really short drive. It wasn't that bad this time around. And I got out of the car, and the contractions were like back to back. And I was in the car. I was just trying to get through the car park. I was just trying to get to the to the midwifery suite. Um, the birthing suite, sorry. I was just, that was my, I just needed to get there. And I was holding on to him and I was having contractions and I was just trying not to vomit. It was just a whole ordeal. Mm. <laughs> People were passing me in the car park like, oh, oh, are you all right? I'm like, don't, please just don't even <laughs> acknowledge me. And I got up there and they took me straight into the birthing suite and I laid next to the bed. Um, like I, they put me on the, the ball and I sort of leaned over the bed and I said to them straight away, you need to give me an epidural. I need to get the epidural right now. <laughs> and all I said to Dylan the whole pregnancy, mind you, was do not let them offer me anything. I don't want anything. If I can't advocate for myself, you need to advocate for me. I, I just don't even bring up the word epidural. Don't even bring up the word um, pain, pain management. <laughs> and as soon as I had my first contraction, I was like, uh, epidural right now epidural yesterday <laughs> I need it yesterday let's get it and they were sort of fluffing around I think they were sort of watching my contractions to see how far along I was and there's a lot of farting around going on a lot of fluffing and I was looking at Dylan dead in the eyes and I'm just going because he they were the midwives were sort of behind me there was two of the two ladies there behind me um sort of watching and talking amongst themselves and I'm looking at Dylan like what are they doing like get a move on what are they doing like just giving him all the faces like come on (laughs) and he's just like I don't know because he's never been he's never done it before he wasn't in my you know Oakley's birth so he didn't know what to expect he had no idea and I was getting frustrated and they said you know we've got to do a um, blood test to check your platelet count I think your blood count or and a dilation check, like check your cervix. And I was like, no, I'm not getting up on that bed. That's what I said to them. I was just so rude. I don't know what came over me. But I said, no, I'm not getting up on that bed. <laughs> like I just need the epidural now. And they went and got the anaesthetist, um, eventually went and got her. And she said, okay, well, if you want the epidural, we need to check you. And I laid on the bed and she said, 
you're not having an epidural. And I said, beg your pardon. I was like, beg your pardon. She's like, no, you are way too far along. You're having an epidural. And I was howling. I started crying and I was like, no, 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 I'm not ready. What do you mean? Like just if you give it to me really quick, it will, it will work in time. Anyway, she was like, I'm sorry, it's not happening. And I said, well, can, can you at least fill up the bath? Like, can you can we get the bath going? I need to get in the bath then. And they were like, no, there's no time for that either. And then I started crying. And I was like, Dylan, like this, what is going on? Like I just had my first contraction, like it felt like 10 minutes ago. Mm. And I think it was just so different because Oakley's labour was, you know, 20 hours and this was happening in like three hours. Yeah. And it was very overwhelming. I just did not think it would happen that quick. Anyway, so I, I got my head around it. I sort of pulled it together as I was pulling myself off the bed and I said, you need to turn the shower on. I need to get under the shower. So they propped me up on a like a mattress on the floor um, and uh, I was leaning over like a chair. It must have been like a shower chair um, leaning over. But, yeah, by the time I was walking over to that shower, I was pushing, like I was groaning, like animal sounds. She was – yeah, she was coming down very, very quickly. Mm. But, yeah, I, I kneeled, kneeled over the shower, um, the chair, and Dylan was sort of sat in front of me and the two midwives were behind me um, with a mirror and a torch. And I had the shower on my back. And, yeah, I think I pushed. I wasn't even, you know, I wasn't actually intentionally pushing. I was just, I was bearing down. She was coming down. And I think it was sort of three contractions I, my waters broke and I felt like this big pool of um, water, like gunk went on the floor and I was like, what was that? And they were like, oh, your waters broke. And I was like, oh, that's never happened to me before. <laughs> and I was really excited about that because the pressure, and, and then I could feel her head. I was just, the, the sensation was so different. Mm. I could actually feel a baby coming down rather than like a big balloon full of water. Yeah, and was that a major relief for you? Oh, the biggest relief and yeah. the contractions. It wasn't – I wasn't contracting like I was before. It was – I don't know. I was just pushing. Mm. And the, the whole sensation changed. But as soon as my waters broke and – I had a contraction, her head was there, I was, it was there and I could feel it and I'd never felt a head, you know, I didn't feel that with Oakley and that's when I knew, I thought, okay, we're back to this, we're back to the ring of fire, it all came back, that pain, it just came back. I thought, okay, I remember this, I remember how bad this is but I started to really slow down, like really try and hold back um, and take it as slow and steady as I could and they had the mirror down there with a flashlight and I was starting to sort of push but not push just like breathe really slowly and they turned the shower off and it was I was mortified they actually turned the shower off on me the midwives it must be so they could sort of see what was happening and I remember just turning around but I just couldn't say anything no words could come out of my mouth I was just mortified thinking no I need that I need that on Mm. um it felt like it was the room was silent then. There was no, you know, the shower sort of taking my mind off the pain and the noise and it was almost really calming. And then as soon as that shower went off, it was just raw. I could hear everything that was going on. It was just silent. Mm. And 
I think I, I think it took me about five or so minutes for, and I was just pushing her head, trying to get it out really slow and steady. And in between contractions, I looked up at Dylan and, you know, when you look at someone and they suddenly don't know where to put their arms, they just look really, they don't know where to look. They don't, you know, they, he looked almost a little bit uncomfortable. And I sort of said, oh, are you okay? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. But I <laughs> are didn't. you okay? <laughs> I was like, are you okay? But I didn't realise the mirror was, the flashlight was on the mirror, but it was projecting on the wall. Oh. So the whole, like, head coming out was actually being put on it was like being projected on the wall oh, behind wow. me I couldn't see him <laughs> I didn't realize Dylan because he was in front of me <laughs> I thought oh he, he doesn't he can't really see what's going on <laughs> but yeah the mirror the flashlight shining on the mirror was reflecting back onto the wall oh, so it's wow. like he had it in on a projector screen oh my god it's like a movie theater of me birthing yeah <laughs> Darby's head on the wall <laughs> anyway that's kind of cool I'm like, oh, he's really um unsettled like a bit bit uncomfortable but yeah that's why he told me afterwards I I had no idea but he could see all of it on the reflection on the wall (laughs) so that was really nice but um yeah he he was fine and I was fine and anyway a couple of pushes later she came out flying out (laughs) which was um yeah it was different to being in the water I think it was yeah a lot more raw like she came out and they put her on me and I straight away got up. I stood up just immediately as soon as they put her on me and walked over to the bed. I just did not want to be on that shower floor. I don't know why. I was just like, this is weird down here. Like, this is weird. <laughs> and I just stood up, carried my newborn little baby. The midwives were like, oh, oh hang on, hang on. We'll just we'll get a bluey pad and, you know, walk with you. And I'm, I just kept walking. I just wanted to be on the bed. I wanted to get off the floor. And they put her on me and... She was, do you know how babies come out? Sometimes they're grey. She was blue. She was purple. Like she did not look. She made no noise. Um, And I sort of said, oh, is she, is she all right? And they were like, they sort of went silent for a minute and they said, Dylan, got to cut the cord right now. So he like ran over, cut the cord mm. and they all, they hit the emergency button and the room was suddenly full of people. She was over the, on a little bed. And they had a big mask on her face. She couldn't She couldn't breathe. She swallowed a lot of meconium um, when she was born. Yeah, heaps of meconium and, yeah, couldn't breathe. So she had a, I think it's called a CPAP machine on her face for, um, they couldn't stabilise her breathing. But being a, a rural hospital, they didn't have, they did have doctors, but they didn't actually have like a, is it a paediatrician? Yeah. Um, like a doctor? Yeah. So they had a camera a camera going with the doctors at the other end and just trying to stabilise her breathing. So that went on for five hours. Um, they had to keep that machine on her and were syringing um, the meconium, meconium out of her tummy um, with a little tube and a syringe. So that was really awful. I never really got the skin to skin with her and she was sort of whisked away really quickly. Um, and Dylan and I were just sort of left there like, oh, Oh, what's what's happening? Is she okay? But yeah, they were really reassuring. Like, yep, she's fine. You know, we're just got to stabilize her breathing. She just needs a little bit bit of support. Um, so that was all going on at the other end of the room, and I, they said, do you want to birth the placenta naturally? Do you want the injection? And I said, no, no, I'll I'll birth it naturally. But I think because I was really stressed, um, I wasn't thinking about 
birthing my placenta, I was just thinking about, oh, my God, is my baby okay? Yeah. Um, oh, and at that point that was sort of – I said, oh, Dylan, what what is it? Like, what what is it? And, and he said, I don't know, the, the cord was in the way. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know if it was a girl or boy. The cord was in the way and I, I said, well, go, go and, like, tell move it, go and have a look. And he said, oh, it's a girl. And I, I said, oh, my God, another girl. Anyway, we didn't have any names or anything picked and we were kind of, we didn't have a name for her. We didn't know who she was. They were, you know, they'd taken her away from us and um, Dylan kind of stayed with me for a minute while they were working on her and I was trying to birth my placenta, which just wasn't happening. I was having really bad pains, like really bad contractions, just wasn't happening. And um, she said, you know, do you want me to try and pull it out? Like give it a light pull. And I said, no, don't, don't touch me. Don't touch it. Please just see if it comes out. 10 minutes later, it still hadn't come out. I was still on the bed. I just wanted to go see the baby and just make sure she was okay. And I said, yep, just, just give me the needle. Um, And she gave me the needle and a couple of minutes later, gave it a really light pull and it came out. So that was that. I had no tearing, which was amazing. Just a light graze um so that was really good not having to have that ordeal all over again so I was all fine I went and got in the shower really quickly um and got dressed so I could go and see the you know see Darby and make sure she was okay and they'd taken her into another room where they were talking to the doctors over the camera um yeah they couldn't stabilize her breathing and they were talking about having to transfer us out to um, Sydney Children's Hospital or potentially Dubbo is the other place where I've had availability for her really um, because, yeah, they were unable to stabilise her breathing and this went on for, yeah, five hours I think they were trying to but every time they'd take the mask off her, her breathing would go, um, it would weaken again and they couldn't get the little tube in her nose. They had to keep holding the mask on her face um and I said like oh you know before we look at transferring can I can I hold her can is there any way that I can hold her and you guys just keep the mask on her face and they said yeah you know we'll we'll do some skin to skin last effort we'll we'll try it anyway they put it put her on me and oh it was just magical like I just Mm looked at her in this little box on this little bed with that mask on her face for you know five hours and they put her on me and her breathing went down a little bit and then it stabilized like after five hours and all they had to do was just a bit of skin to skin with mum they put her on me they watched really closely Mm. and they took the mask off and they were like oh my goodness like it's just a mother's touch you know she's her breathing's picked right up. It was, and it almost got up because it was hovering around, you know, 80, 88% or anything or something like that, 80, 80%. Um, but yeah, they put her on me and it crept up to sort of 90, 91, 92. And mm. they said, oh, if we hold her like this for, for an hour, we will be able to keep you here. So that stabilized. Um, and we got to, to go into a bed in a wall. <laughs> which was nice so they I knew they intended because they gave her antibiotics I think the protocol is to keep her there for two nights or two days after birth but 
I did express to them, oh, look, I am only 500 metres down the road. I am just really, really close. If anything is unusual, uh, I'm, I'll be straight here. So we did end up staying one night and they did let me go um, at 6pm the following afternoon on the condition that I come back at 8.30 the next morning. So that was, um, yeah, it was. I didn't love staying in the hospital because I didn't do it with Oakley. I sort of got to go home um, and sleep in my own bed, but not much sleep, but I was exactly where I needed to be. I knew that yeah. I wouldn't have been able to sleep without her being monitored. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she was monitored and during the night her oxygen started to get a bit low and her monitor kept going off. So the midwives actually came in and took her um, – I think they took her out into their lunchroom or something like that and just um, just kept her so I could have a little rest, um, just make sure she was okay because I couldn't sleep with her monitor going off every time that oxygen would get a bit low. And then, yeah, they brought her in probably two hours later and we had a little cuddle and it was, yeah, it was really nice. It was it reminded me of when Oakley was born and I was in my own bed and I got to snuggle her and the whole world was just still. Mm. So... Yeah, we had that special time together, which was beautiful. And um, Dylan and I still hadn't decided on a name. Um, we did decide on a name and then we actually FaceTimed my mum, who didn't even know I was in labour. I didn't even take my phone to the hospital. It all just happened really quickly. So I had no phone. So Dylan actually FaceTimed mum and there was just the baby. <laughs> like, <laughs> mum had no warning, no nothing, and was just in absolute shock and we said, oh, this is her name. And my mum being my mum said, oh, what's the other option? <laughs> what's the other option? And we were like, I'm just sitting in the background going, are you joking? Like, are you kidding? And Dylan said, oh, the other option's Darby. And mum goes, oh, I love that. I, that's really nice. I really like that. And then Dylan just sort of said, okay, well, that's her name then. Because <laughs> I didn't really care, honestly, because I thought she looked like the name we sort of kind of had picked. But... I didn't care. I think after everything that happened, I just wanted her to be okay and to be, you know, I didn't care. I just said to Dylan, you name her whatever you want to. And Darby, it was Darby. And we sort of thought, oh, what's her middle name? Like we didn't really have a middle name. And I pondered on it over my night stay in hospital because I didn't want Dylan to stay with me in the hospital. There was no point as both being tired. And I sort of sent him home, you know, being so close. I said, go and get a good night's sleep. We'll have to pick up Oakley tomorrow just go and get a good night's sleep um and I pondered on it overnight and I thought oh I like Jade Darby Jade like DJ that's cute and I said to Dylan what about DJ and he was like yeah I love that like Darby Jade and that was it that was we picked her name so that was that was nice she was baby of Lauren for (laughs) for a little while so the midwife's pretty (laughs) they were pretty happy that we finally had a name for her um but yeah, so the overall the stay in Mudgee Hospital was it was pretty pleasant. The midwives were just so lovely. Couldn't do enough for you. It was it was really good for having to stay in the hospital. It was the best experience that I could have had, nice. which was great. Yeah. Um so we got to go home and um Darby's big sister Oakley got to come over and meet her, which was so special. I sent Dylan out to Big W while I was in the hospital and I just thought, Oh, go and get a little present for Oakley from Darby to give her just a little like, oh, Darby bought you a little present. Um, (laughs) So I put, um, yeah, he he bought her a little toy and 
Dylan brought her over from his mum's place and they had Darby in the bassinet and she ran over and it was just so beautiful, like my big baby meeting my little baby. It was just so special and gave her a little toy and, you know, she was running around with her little toy saying, Darby got this for me. That's mm. that's my little sister. So it was like a like a soft launch. You know, I wasn't holding her. Darby was just in the bassinet and had a little toy there for her. It was just really beautiful, really no pressure on Oakley because she was the centre of everyone's universe for, you know, two and a half years. Mm. But, yeah, that, that was really special and um, it hasn't worn off yet. She's still pretty besotted with her little sister. <laughs> I thought, oh, this will wear off quickly. But, no, it's it's stuck. It's finding a nice balance of, yeah, it, it's stuck. And I think dividing my attention between both of the girls has definitely helped yeah. <laughs> dividing it really. So, yeah, it's been really special. Yeah, beautiful. And how were you feeling after that birth experience? Um, aside from, aside from what happened when Darby was born with her being a bit unwell, I, everyone that asked me like, oh, how was the birth? And I just kept saying it was so quick. I almost missed it. Like I still haven't got my head around it. Mm. I knew there was a baby coming this time. Like I wasn't in shock when she was born, but I, it, I, I, it was just so quick. It I honestly almost missed it. I didn't have time to get my head around it. Like four hours start to finish. Yeah, wow. As opposed to your 20 the previous day. I just wasn't expecting it to be that quick. Mm-hmm. And Dylan didn't know what to expect either. But because there was hardly any build-up at all, it was hard and fast, he just didn't know what to expect. He just, like, are, are you all right? Like, are you all good? How much worse does it get? And I, I think he actually rang his mum or went and spoke to his mum when he dropped Oakley over there just to be like, oh, she, how much worse does this get? Like, how long is this going to take? And, you know, no, sort of said, no one knows. The baby comes when the baby comes. But, yeah, it was very intense. It would have been a bit of a shock. So I, I told him the whole pregnancy, don't worry, you won't have to worry about me because my labours are so long. Like, if you're at work, which is sort of 40 minutes away and he won't have any phone service, I said, you'll have plenty of time, but... It's just lucky that he wasn't at work and was he, otherwise he would have missed it. Yeah. And you didn't tear this time, but did you have any no. fear around tearing? I did, especially, yeah. I think I, that's what crossed my mind as soon as they turned that shower off, because mm. I knew having that warm water there and like a warm compress on my perineum, I thought, oh, I tore the first time, maybe this, you know, I'm going to do all the right things to not tear this time. You probably are less likely to tear this time. But as soon as I turn that shower off, I think that wave of, oh, my God, what now? Like I'm I'm going to feel all of this. I'm definitely going to tear. But as they were checking me on the bed, I was like, oh, I was jumping to the end of the bed even to touch. It was so painful, so uncomfortable. And I'm thinking, oh, 100% tall. I have 100% a tear there but they said no just a graze no tearing and I'm just like oh my god what a miracle (laughs) yeah well it's a testament to you slowing down and giving your body time to stretch and also probably the element that it was only a head you were birthing not a fluidy bag you know (laughs) yeah yeah and I remember when Oakley was born I just wanted that head out because the ring of fire especially with the bag there full of fluid like I needed that 
that pressure was so much. Like I was, pu- I could not stop pushing. Mm. I was pushing so hard and just wanted to get it out. Whereas this time around, it was a lot more controlled. Like I could control it a lot more. I could really slow down and it didn't feel like I was pushing so hard. Mm. Um, and it definitely being able to control it and slow it down. I feel like that was a big part of not tearing this time totally, around. Yeah. Wow. Two very different birds, hey? Goes to show you can't always attach yourself to one outcome because you just do not know how it's going to go. Yeah, but still so grateful. Like both very, very positive outcomes, like minimal intervention. Um, If I'd have got to the hospital sort of an hour earlier with Darby, I would have had an epidural. Like it would, I just, once I hit transition, I all this doubt just came over me. Mm, but I mean, but that's transition, right? For it, most women, it, you get that crisis of confidence. And that's what the midwives said to me. They said, you were just in transition. You have told yeah. us this whole pregnancy. You didn't want an epidural. You know what you're capable of. You've done it before. Um, and then, uh, yeah, as soon as I walked in the door, I'm like, help. Like, <laughs> I need help. But it is just transition. And they did sort of, they did warn you in, uh, hypnobirthing they do sort of say you will doubt yourself like hold strong it it does pass um so yeah I was just really lucky that I was so far in it just wasn't an option otherwise I may have may have gone a different way totally I think also yeah you were lucky that you had um midwives that weren't jumping to your calls of help and believing it you know they were taking their time which was pissing you off, but <laughs> yeah, I was so grateful for all that fluffing around. Yeah. So, like, totally. they knew they they'd been doing that a long time. They yeah. knew that I was in transition. And I was mm. just so agitated, like, "Wow, what is going on? Yeah. Get a move on. <laughs> oh, these rural country towns, just you know, they're on, they're just taking their time. Everyone's on, you know, feels like vacation. Like, get a move so on. Come funny. on, so funny. But, yeah, best thing that happened. Yeah. So looking at your entire journey, what would be some of your key pieces of advice for any expectant mothers out there? Uh, Hypnobirthing would be my biggest recommendation, my biggest Mm. advice. Do hypnobirthing or a calm birthing class. It's not hippie woo-woo like everybody thinks. It Mm. makes you so informed. Um, It just, it really arms you with all of the information that you do need to know because they are going to offer you things. They are, um, intervention is so normalized. Mm. It's so normalized and it wasn't an option for me. So I really wanted to have the knowledge, um, you know, and how to politely decline with reasoning and be able to make my own choices. And um, yeah, it is such a a great course to do. yeah, wouldn't yeah. recommend it highly enough. And do you think you guys will have a third? I mean, it's early days, but. Yeah, as soon as I had Derby, I think the next day I said to Dylan, this is not going to be my last ofs. Like I'm not, this isn't going to be my last, you know, not last birth or last breastfeeding. Like, no, this won't be my last of anything. We are having another baby. <laughs> <laughs> it was like didn't didn't have a word to say like yeah. couldn't even pull a sentence together but um about two weeks later we were out for dinner with our friends we're at, at their place for tea and said oh when we have another baby Oakley will have to be in school and I was like can I get that in writing yeah. like, <laughs> did, did I hear what did really did I just hear that because it was so overwhelming the first you know transitioning to two kids it was pretty it was a lot yeah there was a lot of defiance from the eldest but 
um, you know, big transition. But for him to say that, I was like, oh, yeah, we're on the same page. Amazing. Because I'll happily wait till Oakley's in school. Like, yeah. Great. We're going to have a third. <laughs> <laughs> so amazing. Well, you'll have to let us know how that one unfolds. Thank you so much, Lauren, for coming on the show today <laughs> and sharing your birth stories with us. That's okay. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. That brings us to the end of today's episode. Anyone else feel a rush of emotions when Lauren revealed that her daughter's breathing stabilized after their skin-to-skin contact, or was that just me? Wow, that moment truly gave me full body goosebumps and again, such a testament to the profound power of a mother's touch. The benefits of skin-to-skin contact are grounded in solid science. So not only does it facilitate the physiological and emotional connections between a mother and baby, but as we heard today and as studies have proven, it can regulate your baby's heartbeat, stabilize their breathing and even maintain their body temperature. So regardless of how your birthing experience unfolds the emphasis on skin-to-skin contact and delayed cord clamping should be heavily advocated for particularly if you have had any interventions or periods of separation from your baby this will help to make sure that you bridge those hormonal gaps and that your baby receives the numerous benefits linked to this simple yet powerful act I also want to briefly address the concerns of a stage three to four tear during childbirth and the impacts on future birthing experiences. It is understandably a distressing memory for many mothers and can become a source of anxiety for future births. However, it is vital to understand that experiencing tearing in one birth does not necessarily mean it will reoccur. As we heard today, by slowing down during the crowning phase, allowing your body time to adjust naturally and prioritizing a physiological intervention-free birth, you can significantly reduce the risk of severe tearing in future deliveries. Again, something we always come back to, highlighting the importance of tuning into your body, understanding its signals and working in harmony with your own natural process. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Let me know what you think over on the PBA Instagram. And if you love PBA, we would be forever grateful if you could spare a moment to leave a review on your podcast platform or subscribe. Your feedback helps us to reach more women who need it and continue bringing you inspiring stories each week. Thank you so much for being a part of our community. We will be back next week with another episode of PBA. Until then, take care, stay curious, and continue to embrace the beauty of